name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I'll try not to talk too much. I know I sometimes do when everyone's tired. Um, it's a long service, as you have noticed. Um, and part of that is on purpose, right? Is that we are walking with our Lord through His own suffering and passions, right? And that He Himself went through this. So even if we're we're trying to walk with Him, right? And to, to partake of each moment. So Palm Sunday is one of the feasts of our Lord. And Holy Week is an interesting week because we have a mix of sorrow and a mix of feasts at the same time. This is a feast, right? And on Covenant Thursday is also a feast, right? The feast of the, of the, of the new covenant, right? The establishment of the institution narrative of the, of the sacrament of Eucharist. But to understand what's going on right now is important to have a little bit of context, right? The Jews for 400 years have been without a prophet, right? At the time of this event, for 400 years, they have not heard the voice of God, right? John the Baptist was the first time where they, they were shocked that there's, a, there's, there's some word from God, right? There's silence. And for 400 years, they've been trying to rebuild their kingdom. And they had their own wars, with the people who came to occupy them, right? The Persians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, and then the Romans, right? And more than a century before this event, there was a, a movement among the Jews to resist the occupation. And they started a rebellion, and they were successful. And when the leader of this revolution came into the city after their victory. The people sang Hosanna, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the son of David. So these words that we're hearing that they said to the Lord, it wasn't the first time, it wasn't the first time that they had used these greetings. This was a symbol to them, a nationalistic symbol, that maybe this is the king who's going to kick out the Romans. So their joy was an uninformed joy, right? Their joy was one of being like, maybe this is, maybe this is the one. And that's actually one of the reasons why they're calling him the son of David, right? Because the, the, the root of David, the descendant of David, he's the one who's supposed to reign. So even more excited because the Lord Jesus is from the seed of David, right? And if you pay attention to the different ways that Christ refers to himself in the four Gospels, he never calls himself the son of David. He'll call himself the son of man, he'll call himself the son of God, he will never call himself the son of David, right? Almost as if to say, I'm not who you think I am, right? I'm not here to establish a political kingdom. I'm not going to use that title. I am the son of David. Right? But I'm, I'm not going to call myself the son of David. And you see these expectations that they had understood. And we hear, we read just now in John where they admit the disciples had no clue what he's talking about, what's going on, why this is happening. Right? But he's coming in 
riding on a donkey and the foal of a donkey, fulfilling the prophecies from Malachi and from other places, saying that the Messiah would come to them in this way. They didn't realize that that was what was happening at the time, right? But the Lord was intentionally fulfilling prophecies because the point of a prophecy is to find out if it's really from God or not, right? If somebody says something that's from God, if they, if they prophesy, it comes true, right? If it's a false prophecy, it doesn't, right? And so the Lord is, is, is identifying himself by submitting himself even to the prophecy he said. The prophecy is saying, here's what's gonna happen, right? That, that he who has ears to hear, hear, and eyes to see, see, if you can identify. Nobody was seeing, including as we just saw, the disciples. But here you can see the real humility, the real humility of our Lord, because they're waving branches and saying, blessed be the son of David, expecting a political king. But they are greeting a real king, just not a political king, right? And so you see the different kind of king that we're seeing, because a secular king wouldn't be coming on a donkey. A secular king would be coming on a chariot. Right? A secular king would have an army, right? would have people around him to, to exalt him, to big him up. But this is the kind of king that we're going to read in the prophecies from Zephaniah later on. This is the king of whom it is said, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cast out your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear evil no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. And his disciples don't get this, right? The people don't get it. Nobody gets it. All they're seeing is what eyes of flesh see, right? They're seeing this man who for the last three and a half years has been among them, right? This one who's been doing miracles, right? recently raised somebody from the dead and they're excited about the show right they're excited about the feast like maybe this is going to be the showdown maybe now is the time where the king is going to reveal himself and he does but as we're going to see throughout this this week and that's even one of the reasons why the readings right now have this mixture of joy tainted by sadness right even in these readings where we're reading something so joyful you already have that sense of worry, that sense of ele in the background, where there's murmuring, right? The Pharisees aren't happy, happy, the people are questioning, the disciples are confused, right? Is that this, this whole week is moved towards them, he's like, yes, I am king and I am gonna reign. I'm gonna reign from the wood, as the Psalm says, the wood of the cross. I'm not gonna reign from the wood of a throne, also made of wood. I will reign from on high, so that you fear evil no more when I'm elevated and exalted on the wood of the cross, right? That is the place from which I reign. And so he comes in with this humility. He comes in at the feet of the people where instead of this entourage of armies, he's got an entourage of children, right? These kids that were dancing in the front row. I was smiling because that's what the kids did then too. They were moved by the chants. They were moved by the psalms. 
And in their simplicity, they recognized the joy of the moment, right? They weren't foiled, they weren't spoiled by the politics, right? They were not interested, the little kids, on whether he's going to be a royal king or a spiritual king, right? They were just excited that Jesus was in their midst, right? This was the joy of which he comes. And he was indeed coming to get rid of the people, rid of for the people, their fears, their anxieties, their slavery. But with a solution they weren't expecting. Right? With a solution they weren't expecting. So often we have decided what is the best solution for our issues. Right? We take it as though we get it, we know it, we analyze it, we sit together, we have our meetings, we have our executive conferences, right? Even in church, right? Right? And we're like, here's the solution. And then when God doesn't bow to our solution, because it's not the best one, we get upset. Right? How, how Lord, is this your, your thing? It should have been this because we, in our wisdom, decided this is the best solution, but they forget the point of things, right? They forgot that the kingdom of Israel was never a thing. It was never meant to be. They forgot that even when they got the kingdom, it was God allowing them to have their way. They requested a kingdom. God never said, here's a great idea, Let's have a kingdom. They asked for a king, right? They asked for a king to the point that Samuel, the prophet of God, was offended on God's behalf, right? Of saying, what is wrong with you people, right? Why do you want a king when you have the king of kings, right? And the Lord says, take it easy, Samuel, right? Take it easy. Right? They're not insulting or refusing or rejecting you. They're rejecting me. When am I fit? Right? right? What is it to you? Give them the kingdom. Only, please, keep righteousness. Keep holiness. Right? And I'll still be your God. No problem, but do it. So they thought in their wisdom, the solution to all their problems, instead of it being to fulfill the covenant, their solution was reestablish the kingdom. That's how we'll be right with God again. And God's saying, that's not how you'll be right with me. Because the world wasn't created for a kingdom. The world was created for you. The whole world's already yours. There's no new kingdom. You are the kingdom. What was the message when he walked through the earth? The kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is upon you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. You want a different kind of kingdom. It's not the solution. That's just a show. If you have the right kingdom and you can see, you'll have joy. You won't care whether it's Roman, Greek, Persian, barbarian. You won't care. And you'll have the joy and the peace and the wealth and the riches of the kingdom. And you will not fear your enemy while being in that. It won't, it won't affect you. Right? And so the Lord is coming to fix it. The funny thing is that Hosanna, as the witness said yesterday, which means save us, is also what Jesus means. So without meaning, they were actually crying out saying, Jesus, save us. Right? Because the two words mean the same thing. And his response to them silently is, Amin. 
That's why I'm here. Right? So be it. It is so that I, that, that I will. And his work throughout this week, right, this work of the Passover, is that the Passover were a people who were in slavery, a people who were on the doors of death, and a people for whom someone was slain in their stead for their deliverance. The Lord was coming in triumphantly, knowing that these very people were going to turn on him in no time. Right? These very people who are shouting Hosanna, as we said last night, are the very people who will shout crucify him. They're not a different people. They're the same people. Right? They're the people who when they don't get what they want are ready to just flip. Right? These are the very same people. But our Lord, He's not fickle like us. His mood doesn't change that much. Our Lord is able to ride on a donkey and be told you are the king to be praised, to be glorified, knowing very well, very well what they're gonna say in a few days. Knowing very well that even among his group, the 12 that are with him who are confused, one of them is gonna betray him this week. And he is fixed on his goal. I will save them in spite of them. I will bend my arm and reach out and lift them no matter what. If they insult me, if they bless me, if they curse me, means nothing to me. I am their father. I am their Lord and I am unmoved and I am unshaken. Thus says the Lord, I will redeem my people. Right? This is the glory of the true Lord, of the true King who loves beyond measure, who loves in all times, who saves even when we reject our saving who heals when we hate the remedy, who raises us up even when we want to wallow in sorrow. This is our God who saves. This is our Hosanna. To Him be glory now and always into the age of all ages. Amen.